everyone, welcome to Creating the Comic Addendum Edition. This week we dive deeper into episode three on editing with an interview with Alice Ernest. She provides some great information both for creators who are looking for an editor, but also for creators who are thinking about getting into editing themselves. There's a lot of great stuff, so without further ado, let's get right to it. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Alice Ernest. Uh, she's an editor and she's going to help uh, kind of talk about the process of editing. Alice, how are you? Fabulous. How are you? Uh, I'm great. Yeah. And so thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So I guess, you know, first thing I always ask any anybody creative in, the, in, in comics is what was your kind of origin story just when it comes to comics uh, for you? How did you get into liking them? I guess we'll start with kind of if, if and how you got into kind of liking comics as a medium. And then we'll talk a little bit more about it as a profession. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I've always been a big reader. And uh, when, when I was a kid and my, my mom went to college, <laughs> she would drop me off at Barnes and Noble, uh, freely okay. sitting. So okay. I would just dive right to the manga section and mm. I devoured their entire manga rack and they let me order books that I didn't pay for and wow. read them right there in the store. It was really great. Um, and yeah, so it was really like, you know, manga that kind of got me started. And then, you know, I got into um, like actual comic books at this used bookstore uh, when I was in college. Um, and just, yeah, I was reading a lot of Garth Ennis. He's my favorite. Okay. And, you know, things like that. I, I, I'm not really big on superheroes, but um, I, I really started getting into like more independent comics and um, smaller presses like Oni Press is really good. That's where Scott Pilgrim came from. And yeah, uh, yeah so uh, and then I in college, I majored in creative writing first and then I switched to art um, mm -hmm. and somewhere in the middle, I was like, let's do a comic book publishing club. And so okay. I started M Theory Comics at my university, okay. and uh, we we just published uh, sort of more like zines, really, mm -hmm. um, that we printed using the, the school printers, and it was it was cool. Oh, um, yeah, and then um, I had a like a internship at a writers retreat center, mm. um, and yeah, just you know kept editing for friends and went from there yeah it's an interesting path like going from creative writing um to art like that per makes perfect sense uh, for for kind of making that kind of transition over over to comics um and you bring up an interesting you brought up an interesting thing i never thought about it but it's uh i mean and maybe it's a generational thing about barnes and noble kind of being almost like a you know not, a library yeah, yeah well it's and it's interesting because like I, there is this excitement that i get that i don't know that maybe you know younger generations get going to barnes and noble like even now if i have a chance i could just wander around barnes and noble it's such an it, you know it's, it's interesting um and uh i've never thought about it as 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 that but it is this kind of just fun place to to go to them always weirdly like drawn to mm. it's been a while since i've been to one um but yeah, I mean, they have a cafe in there. Like, you can't fail. Coffee yeah. and books. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now, um, how did you, so editing professionally, is that something that just kind of started with you editing for friends and then building on that? Or how did you kind of get into kind of being a pro, you know, professional editor? Yeah, uh, so it was it was primarily with friends, um, okay. you know, just kind of working at it. And it was, it was really a lot of dabbling for years. You know, I've, I've had a 
whole bunch of different kinds of jobs. Yeah. Like I, I had a construction business for a while. Like I just, I've done a lot of different things and um, it was just always sort of there on the side, you know, if a friend needed help with a uh, story, it, cause I am primarily a developmental editor okay. and project manager. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the art classes obviously also help with art direction and yeah. things like that. But, um, my, my first love is story. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd have friends coming to me for brainstorming sessions. Like I'm really stuck in this scene. How can I, you know, or, or sort of coaching to get through creative ruts. And, um, then the pandemic happened and I, I couldn't, you know, build custom furniture anymore. So mm-hmm. I was, you know, stuck at home and I was like, let's, see if I can turn the editing into a more full-time thing. Um, so, you know, for years it was not a primary source of income and then it did become my primary source in the pandemic. Um, and it, it went that way for a lot of people, actually, you know, it, it was an interesting time because a lot of people were coming into uh, editing full-time, um, you know, whether they were leaving more corporate jobs or, um you know, just trying to figure out how to make it working from home. Um, but there were also a lot of writers at that time, you know, people had time to write and it was sort of a, a cool thing to have more editors and more writers at the same time. Yeah. And it's not really that way anymore. You know, there aren't yeah. as many writers, but there's still more and more people who want to do freelancing and working from home. So yeah. we still have more editors. coming yeah. in. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good point. I think I, even st- like I during the pandemic, I was I was fortunate that my the company I worked for was shut down, but they paid us for a decent amount of it. And then then when when they finally furloughed everybody, I was able to get a job quickly. So I was, but that was that the free time I had was when I actually started to think, huh, maybe I could start writing. And so that 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 allowed me the time that I didn't have prior, you know, pre-pandemic um to actually think about writing and then uh, you know actually do it you know which I don't mm. know that that would have happened you know I'd had ideas and wanted to get into to, to doing something but I think that was the that allowed me to time to actually develop a story and then once it was developed and and yeah. things started to you know get back to normal I, it was like well I've got this thing here now I got to actually you know go through the process of of, of getting it out there um so now you mentioned um so I guess when it comes to editing obviously like editing is done on on all levels um fiction non-fiction journals everything my my uh, stepson actually what he's moved up but he, he started as an editor for a medical journal and and then he you know then went into proofreading so it's like you've got this at all levels um of, of anything create almost anything creative um now what makes I guess comic editing uh different from from editing for a novel or editing for a journal? Like where, where, what makes comics unique? Well, first let's talk about how they're similar, right? Because there sure. are, you know, different levels of editing that you would go through, right? Yeah. First, obviously would be developmental editing, maybe some beta readers. Um, and I guess the difference there between a editing something like a comic and a novel is uh, the editor also needs to look at what the comic is going to look at look like before there is art right so um you would it's 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 similar in that you're looking at the story and how the story flows but you're also you know looking at the the directions written for the artist and how many panels are on the page and looking at things like how many words are on the page you know you don't want to have a manuscript page in a comic you know the the word count is going to be different and so you're looking 
with more elements, right? Mm -hmm. you, you need to make sure that, um, you know, you're looking for things like, okay, is this person asking the artist to draw two different gestures on the same character in the same panel? Because that won't yeah. work, yeah. you know? Um, and, and there are these these sort of common errors that that you would find, you know, like too many words, uh, like too, too much telling and not enough just drawing it, you know, just sometimes, uh, sometimes you do have to, you know, come right out and say, well, since I'm your sister, I know that you're, you know, that these kinds of things to, you know, it, it, the rules are a little bit different between a comic and a novel with those kinds of stating the obvious things, right? Because um, you don't have a narrator. Um, but yeah, so, so there's a lot of different ways that you have to approach it as well with the d developmental editing. Um, and then it goes a bit more into uh, art direction when you bring on the artist and that there's also a bit of project management in it uh, because you might have to find the artist, you might have to find the other kinds of editors to do the different levels, um, the inkers, the, the colorists, all of these different things. Um, because as you know, you know, there's a million different hands yeah. on the comic, you know, it's, it's yeah. not, um, it's it's not that common actually to find someone who's writing the story and doing the art yeah. right it is a very collaborative thing it's almost like a movie in yeah. a way because there's so many different people working on it yeah so um yeah that's that's really kind of where the split off happens like once you have everything in writing solid and you bring on the artist the levels of editing really kind of change, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so you've got the art direction and more project management things, making sure that things are getting in on time, making sure that the art is clear and showing what you need it to show the reader and that um, everything makes sense. Um, and sort of also the framing of things like, oh, this character looks like he's on the left in this frame, but now he's on the right in this frame and that's confusing, um, you know, things like that. and. Um, yeah, and, and you just kind of have to make sure that they, they get things in on time. That's also a challenge sometimes. <laughs> um, and yeah, just making sure that they're nice to work with. Sometimes you might have to do quality control as well. Make sure, you know, I mean, I think everyone's heard some, some of the big dramas with um, different people introducing things to the comic that mm -hmm. like flew past everyone's attention that are racist or sexist yeah. or otherwise problematic. Um, so yeah, there's a bit of that that goes into it as well to make sure that since it is such a collaborative thing, it's not, you know, one person's bad behavior isn't looking bad for everybody. Yeah. Um, so now beyond the um, the developmental editing, what are the next, the other levels of editing in the process? And then I guess the secondary question is typically, um, and maybe you can tell me for you and then just how it is in the industry, will will you have one editor that can that can kind of do all the different kinds of editing? Or are you typically then outsourcing, you know, the other steps in the level to other other people? So it kind of it kind of depends a bit. Yeah. Um, I'm almost always would prefer to have more than one person doing the editing because if you have someone working on story they might introduce errors you know like oh i i put a comma here when there wasn't necessary it wasn't necessary you know and those become blind spots right because you you've already gotten too close to it in this one way of editing so the more eyes you can get on it to make sure that it's going well the better 
in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so for some for some writers, uh, they they don't really feel they have the budget for that, so they might skip levels. You know, yeah. um, it's not unheard of for a uh, an indie comic to forego the developmental editing or even the copy editing or proofreading, and you know that's. <laughs> so now I guess you, you mentioned a. Uh prior to our, um, um, prior to talking kind of the difference between proofreading and copy editing. Um, mm. And so what is that? If you can explain uh, what the difference is between those and why maybe they're, it's important to have somebody for each of those. Yeah, so so when people think proofreading, they're thinking probably what they did in school. Like everybody called it proofreading, but that's actually copy editing. Uh, copy editing is fixing grammar, spelling, punctuation mistakes. Um, you know, there's also sort of between uh, developmental editing and copy editing, there's also line editing, which is just sort of working with the rhythm and music of the words and making sure that it flows really well. Because uh, developmental editors are sort of bull in a china shop. You know, we'll go in there and say, oh, here's a big plot hole, here's how you fix it. And it's not really gonna sound pretty all the time. So, you know, it might fix the, the high level problems, but as you get to finer and finer details, you wanna make sure that it's smoother. So you, you, you get someone in to make it pretty again, and then you get someone to come in after the line editor, the copy editor, to say, okay, well, we missed a comma here. We need to, you know, this word isn't quite the connotation that you want, we'll change that. Um, and fixing spelling, all those things. And then, um, yeah, they, they'll work before the letterer comes in, right? Because the letterer is going to put everything in and make it nice. And that would be sort of the formatting step of the novel editing in a way, because you, you'd be, you know, picking your font and aligning the margins and things like that. And that's the formatting um, or the letterer, right? Yeah. And then at that stage, after that's done, it looks complete, but you still need someone to go back through and say, oh, you accidentally hit enter here. Mm -hmm. And we need to make this, these lines together so that it fits properly in the bubble, right? Or, yeah, different things like that. And that would be, that's the proofreader. That's the proofreader. Yes. Got it. Okay, got it. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, right, yeah. proofreader so is the very, very end. Like, you know, everybody thinks that it's like, oh, I, I've written my first draft. Now I need a proofread. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's yeah. after the formatter, after got the letterer. It. Yeah. Got it. So that's all done. And then that goes to the proofreader once the, with, with the, once you have it on paper. To, yeah. To, or, once or, you have a book that looks complete, you're like, okay, make yeah. sure that it's actually complete and there aren't any mistakes that everybody else missed. Yeah. And I guess in the world of where so many are done kind of digitally, it makes it a bit quite a bit easier to correct now that, than if, if it's done with you know, pen to paper. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it depends because, uh, you know, there are different softwares. Fair right? enough, yeah. So, you know, you'd have to know how to use the software. Yeah. No, well, I guess I don't. I, I don't know how to do it. Yeah. Well, I was thinking <laughs> yeah. about you sending it back to whoever did it. So more like if, if you catch something that goes right back to the, the, I, you know, the I, I don't, I don't do proofreading. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Uh, that's, it's, I, you know, developmental, I'm yeah. in a shop, can't be trusted with the fine <laughs> details. <laughs> so, you know, I might, I might notice something, but I don't know, you know, in, in um, like uh, in novels, it, it would be uh, acrobat. Um, it would be probably illustrator usually for. Yeah. Comics. So, so it's going to be, yeah, someone going in there to, um, who knows how to 
move the stuff. Um, yeah. Usually they'll just make the make the changes themselves rather than sending it back to the letter. Okay. Oh, but it I will see. be okay. it will be approved, obviously. But um, yeah. Okay, yeah. makes sense. So now I guess so I guess the challenge like when it, when it comes to indie comics is a lot, you know, in a lot of situations like where, you know, it's like this, you know, it's self-funded um, or the goal is to go through a crowdfunding, which even a crowdfunding campaign that makes, you know, 30,000, a lot of that money is going to go right back to the book. So how, um, I guess, I guess first thing is, is, I guess we'll get, we'll get a little bit more towards like um, the, the different, you know, different types of editing and how to find the right person. But is, if somebody's limited with budget, what would you say is the most important um, level of editing to, to go with, you know, or, or if you even like ranked it, like what, what's the most important person to go to if you're an indie, you know, comic uh, developer who wants you know, who, who, who's yeah, limited with what you can spend on this stuff. So I think the, the problem is if you're, if you're making comics, it's a passion project yeah. and anyone you bring on is going to be way less passionate about it than you. That's just yeah. the bottom line. So the more you pay them, the more passionate you'll, they'll be right. Yeah. Um, so if you, if you get someone for a low price, they may not do a good job yeah. Uh, because if they're competing with price, they're not competing with quality. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it is a really difficult thing because it is a passion project. Um, and, you know, it, it's, I think that the, the problem is, uh, you know, with, with editing, it looks expensive to the person hiring. Yeah. Uh, because all they see is okay you've done this project and it took you you know this amount of time and so that's the billable hours right but as a yeah. freelancer you also have to think about you know all the time that you're spending advertising uh talking to clients who don't hire you uh all these other things and make sure that your expenses get paid because you're not working a nine-to-five job you're working yeah. one week out of a month yeah you know that's just the reality and that's why these things are expensive because uh you know, if, if this is your, your editor's only income, they have to make all of their income from your comic. And that means, yeah, you know, so if, if someone's getting lots and lots of jobs because they're only charging 10 bucks a page, like that, they're not, they don't have time to do a good job because they've got a hundred other contracts. You know, it's just, the balance is really a difficult thing to strike. Um, I, I think, you know, I think when people think money first, um, the, there might be a different way to go about it. Um, you know, I think crowdfunding is really great because you kind of can test it before you spend money on a yeah. thing. You can do a proof of concept, say, hey, this is a thing that I'm passionate about that I want to create. And this is kind of what I think it'll look like. These are the kind of people I want to hire and how much it'll cost to do it. This is how much it's going to cost to do this comic, is it interesting to people? Do they want to do it? And you approach it as a business venture and you're saying, okay, is there actually market interest in this product? Yeah. And if people pay you to make the product, go find an editor who is worth the money that you're going to spend on them. Because if you're, if you're thinking money first and you're trying to hire the cheapest person, they're not going to give you a quality product. Yeah. So my advice is, I guess, a little bit not what you want what yeah. you want to, <laughs> no yeah no that's fair but, you know but it's it's like you know if if you 
I think I think you really need to think about, you know, the marketing and who it's for. You know, if yeah. you're just publishing a thing that you're gonna show to your friends, like you might not even need an editor. Just, you know, print it on your on your computer at home and, yeah. and make something, you know, cool and you know, build from there, build a community around that, meet friends to collaborate with, you know, and that that can be kind of cool. But when you're when you're thinking about doing a serious publishing project, every step of the way is going to cost money. Um, and, you know, pr quality printing is really expensive. You have to print a yeah. lot. Um, you have to, you know, work with a bunch of different people who are going to want to get paid or they're not going to give you quality work. So well, you get bring the money up, first. <laughs> well, you bring up a very good point that I think a lot of um, indie creators, a lot of people who, I, it's, a lot of people who starting for the first time, because I think in this world, um, there's so many, you know, uh, crowdfunding by whether it's Kickstarter or, or you know some of the newer platforms out there that are specific to comics, it's it's made it really easy in some ways to to get your your work out there um, if you do it right. But I do think there it, it, it a lot it is running a business. You are an entrepreneur on some level, and so you're selling think, a product. Yeah, and a lot of times I think the the mindset is not that like this is a business and I need to, you know, realistically come up with my budget and really figure out how much I'm going to need. You know, I, I know a lot of people at this point are like, okay, well, I got to think about my printing costs and shipping, but you're not thinking and not, and paying the, the, um, the, the creatives who are working on the project. Uh, but I think it's a good point. It's like, you need to budget all that out and, you know, and then you figure out, okay, this is what I need to make this thing work. And it's not just about like whatever the printing costs are going to be. Um, and that is a mindset that I think a lot of people don't necessarily go into it initially with, um, you know, and, and uh, I think it, it, it is important, especially if you're not able to, you know, put all the money into it up front. Um, I think that that is a really important step. Um, now, you so when it comes to finding an editor, uh, beyond the cost, because I, I think you're right, you know, I think a lot of times you get what you pay for, unless you get super lucky and you find, you know, find somebody who's great, who for whatever reason, or they're a friend or, or whatever, like you're, you're right, like it's, it, you, you often are going to get what you pay for um, in, in this, uh, in, in any industry, really. And, and, so, and if you're, if you're not getting what you paid for, if you're not paying very much, and you're getting a really high quality product, that person is not valuing themselves accurately, yeah. and they are not getting what they need, <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a problem too. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely, no, you're you're absolutely right. I've dealt dealt with that. Like in my my most of my career has been in the fitness industry, and I think there's a lot of I mean, you know, fit, and there's a lot of situations of you'll get people that are are not valuing themselves high high enough, and then it just becomes very stressful. It's stressful for them, and it's hard. And I think it's just you know people should it's not get sustainable paid what they're worth. Yeah, absolutely. You so know, yeah, yeah. So now beyond the cost, um, which yeah, it's like if you find somebody who's charging five bucks a page something sketchy there um but beyond the, the the cost um what should people look for when they're finding an editor um let's say first with a developmental editor and then if they're looking for more like line editing uh copywriting proofreading like what 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 should somebody be looking out for when they're when they're you know interviewing and and trying to meet meet people so something i always hear is that writers want samples but i'm a developmental editor i can't give samples yeah. it doesn't work that way yeah. you know i look at the whole thing from a bird's eye view and I can't do that with one page. It's yeah. just not really a thing. So uh, if you're looking at a developmental editor or a project manager um, or even an art director, I, I would say look at the, the titles that they've worked on. 
and see if you agree <laughs> you know mm -hmm. like if you read it and you're like oh wow this like story is really confusing and doesn't make any sense or the art direction like I just doesn't you know if it's if it's not working for you find someone else mm -hmm. um but it's also you know it, it with project management and art direction um you want people who are easy to work with and who are going to be able to wrangle artists to get things in on time, yeah. you know, in a nice way and, you know, figure out like, you know, are, is this person a people person? Are they good with the creators that I'm, I'm trying to, you know, get on board? Like, are they going to be a good team lead? Right. So yeah. you're sort of interviewing for like a, you know, sort of a manager position in that case. And you want to find someone who is going to uh, make the experience delightful yeah, I think that's that's the most important thing, uh, you know, make sure that the, the quality that they are producing is good and make sure that they're easy to work with. Um, and for for developmental editing, um, you know, I, I do sort of a, a different process uh, than, than other editors that, you know, I, I used to run some um, developmental editing meetup group things um, and we would talk about how we onboarded clients. Um, and I always do a Zoom interview because I want them to see my face and see what I'm, I'm like and, uh, you know, make sure that we have like a similar sense of humor, that we have the same ideas and we're on the same page. And I also want to make sure that they don't expect me to email a lot because I hate email. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I think it's so much easier to have a conversation where yeah. we can like interrupt each other and say, oh, no, wait, that is not what I meant. Do not go on a rant for five hours on that. Like that's, you know check ourselves and talk about, you know, what, what we actually need to talk about. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I think so, so many times in email, it's just like, oh, I'm reading five pages of you misinterpreting something I said. And then, you know, then I have to respond and it's just 80 emails for one simple thing. And yeah. it, you know, it's just so much more efficient, I think over, uh, over zoom. So that's my process. Um, you know, I really prefer that personal touch and having a conversation um, and then we can spitball so much easier and, you know, figure out the, the problems without waiting days to get back to each other. And oh, yeah. So, so that's, that's something that I do that is more on the unique side, at least in novel, novel editing. I think it is a little bit more personal with, uh, with comics. They're, they're a little bit more, uh, social oddly, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Yeah, a, a lot of the developmental editors I've met in the, the novel space, they're like, oh my God, you talk to people? Like, <laughs> you know, they do all their edits like on the page. And for me, I think another issue that that, is, that, 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 that um, creates is that a lot of the feedback sounds very bad on the yeah. page. It's like, hey, there's a plot hole here. Hey, yeah. here's everything that's wrong with your book. Here's 40 pages of everything that's yeah. terrible. You know, and it's, <laughs> it feels really, really bad to read something like that. Yeah. So I prefer to do it where they can see, no, really, look at my face. I loved the book. Yeah. It just needs a little ironing here and there. And then yeah. we can talk about like one to three major things that they can focus on throughout that'll solve, you know, have a ripple effect and solve the whole um like all of the problems in a way yeah. you know because i i really think that you know I've, I've met a lot of editors who their philosophy is okay i've i've you know received this this thing and i need to cut it down by 70 percent. that is yeah. not me i like that that's right. that's so disrespectful you know this yeah. person is you know poured like their life into this book and you know my idea is if it's in the book 
you know, maybe it doesn't go there, but it's, it's important somehow. So maybe we can find another place for it, you know, in a different area of the book, or maybe it, you know, belongs in a different story or something, you know, but I, I think it's, it's important to be respectful of the creative process. And yeah, so I mean, I, I, I think just by talking to, to the editor, you can kind of figure out like, is this person's editing philosophy going to work with my goals for the book? Yeah. Um, you know, because if you if you want someone who's going to come in and cut 70 percent of it, I'm probably not your guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, if you, if you want someone who um, is is really into, well, for, for example, on my on my website, I have a list of things that I'm not into, like poetry in the middle of fantasy okay. books. Yeah, I can't you know, I'm, it's not my taste. So yeah. I'm generally not going to enjoy that. And that means that I'm not the best editor for it. Doesn't yeah. mean that it's bad. It just means that it's not within the realm of my skill set, Right. Yeah. So I think, I think it's really important to find out, you know, are you guys aligned? Yeah. Are they going to be the right person for your genre? You know, if someone is saying that they edit all of the genres, That's they're not specializing, yeah. they're not being yeah. honest, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. Now, so then what's, a, I guess, how long, what's the process look like, let's say, you know, kind of a, a broad, broad view, like of, let's say somebody has a comic, it's the first issue of, yeah, I don't know, an ongoing series, let's say they want to write. Um, they're, they're looking for an editor, you know, they, they meet you, everything works out, you want to start with them. What does that process look like? Um, and how long should they expect it to take, um, the, you know, to go through that editing process before getting that, you know, getting that book ready? It depends on the length of the book. If it's just, you know, a, a single um, issue, yeah. uh, that probably usually turnaround is about a week. So okay. pretty fast. Yeah. Um, and, th well, that's that's just for the, the first round of, okay, I've read the script and here's yeah. my feedback. Um, you know, the, the process does depend largely on the other talent as well. You know, if we're, yeah. if we're bringing on... Um, uh, artists who are, you know, backlogged in their other art that they have to do and things like this, you know, it, it could take a really long time, but, uh, you know, it, it really depends. Um, but yeah, my, my developmental editing is typically pretty quick for, yeah. for short issues. Yeah. If it's more like a, um, oh, brain, um, <laughs> if it's a, uh, A graphic novel length um if it's a graphic novel length that that'll take a bit more time um yeah. but i also i also like to to have a conversation about you know if it is just a single issue like what's happening after you know yeah, what are, yeah. where are we going um because it can be helpful to have um an arc in mind yeah you know how many how many issues do you want to do yeah um what's your plan for marketing what's your plan for um moving forward with you know crowdfunding or whatever and um you know we if if you're doing a crowdfunding model and you're releasing an issue at a time you have to look at the issue uh in preparation for the next issue right yeah you have to end in a way that they're going to want the next issue like yeah stat, you know so yeah um, now, what as as an editor, um, what are some of the common mistakes that you see from like let's say first time uh, comic writers? Um, mostly, it's with like telling the the artist what to do. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they'll be like, "Okay, I want to have fifty panels on this page." Yeah. Like, 
don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or or they'll they'll want to to have uh you know like I mentioned earlier, it's one panel, but this one character is doing three different things in it. Yeah. It's not it's not a movie clip. You have yeah. them doing one thing in each panel, you know, still images. And um you know, I, I, I see people writing really, really elaborate descriptions for very, very detailed artwork sometimes, which is harder, <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you gotta, like, if you want your artist to go fast, uh, probably don't do that. Yeah. Um, and on the other hand, there's also people who leave it way too much up to the imagination. And the, the artist is like, I don't know what to draw because there's nothing written. Yeah. You know? so, yeah. And I, I found that that's interesting like because i i've been that's one of one of the more well, yeah one of the more interesting experiences for me because i'm not an artist so i think i very often i'm going to get, i'm you know more often than not if the artist has a suggestion i'm going to go with that because they're the one with the visual you know mind mm-hmm. um i may have specific things there may be some moments where like this is the the scene i want you know like i want this thing and that's that but um i will kind of relent to whatever the artist once because often they're the one again they, they have it in mind with you know they, they have the visuals in mind that, that I just don't that's why I'm writing it and not you know drawing it as well but I do find it, it like there is a weird balance to find between when you're giving too much you know detail between or and not enough and I've seen both like I've seen some writers who will write down every little detail what they want and then I've seen writers who just kind of it's very vague and broad and and, and leaves it to the artist um I guess where do you fall on that so like do you is it like as far as what how much instruction you know as a writer is it more like you know structure flow dialogue and then hand it to the artist or do you find that there it is important to you know at some spots be a little bit more detailed with what what they want specifically on the page well, okay, so I think I think on one end of the spectrum we have like a film script, which is yeah. just going to be the words that the characters are saying. Yeah. And that is not helpful for an artist. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if they have nothing, that's that's not helpful. Um, yeah. you know, the I think I think it's better to sort of, you know, at least figure out like what each page is going to be. And that is a narrative uh, thought process right yeah. so if you if you have a page you know you have you have two sides of the page in a flat open book right so you, you want to structure that spread in a way that will keep them turning pages right yeah. so you know sometimes you'll have a big splash page where it's just the whole thing is one panel and that could be really cool but that's a that's a device you know you're using that for the story so I think it is the writer's job to decide how many panels are on each page yeah. and how the layout is happening with, with those things. You know, I, the, the artist can come in and say, get a little bit more creative with like, okay, you know, I've got five panels, so I'm going to do one, two, three, four, five, or maybe they're, they're going to do one, two, three, you know, they're, they're yeah. going to figure out the arrangement maybe, but you know, it, it is helpful for, um for the writer to think about it as a way to pace the story as a way to get the information across in a way that keeps the reader engaged yeah. if that makes sense so if if you struggle with you know the visuals a little bit it could be okay to leave it a little bit loose and be like okay you know if the character's wearing a hat that's up to the artist whatever but you know five panels yeah. four panels you know and you you decide the pacing that way and i think that's that's important okay yeah that makes sense 
So uh, let's uh, shift gears a little bit. Let so talk about let's say becoming an editor. Um, for like an aspiring editor, uh, what are what would you say are some qualifications? Um, and maybe if there's any education necessary for getting in, let's say we'll say specifically for comic editing. Ed- editing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what would you say are the qualifications? Um, and and whatever, it, what you know, what experience is necessary to, to get into it? Well, I think uh, with any kind of freelancing uh, business. You need to learn how to, to, to run a business and uh, realize that uh, it's not a fast track to making money. Yeah. Uh, you know, just mm-hmm. like publishing, it's, you know, like there are going to be so many more people who don't want to buy your book than people who do yeah. want to buy your book. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's the same thing with, with editing, you know, or, or any kind of freelancing because people, you know, I think they, they look at the prices and they think, oh, this is, this is a really good way to make money real quick because mm-hmm. the hourly rate is awesome. Yeah. But that's just, you know, that's just what the what the writer is seeing that they're paying for Um, the the rest of the time. It's, you know, you're paying for marketing. So you have to make money that will cover that. You have to make money that will cover the blog posts that you're putting all over the Internet so people can discover that you write book or that you edit books. Um, You you know, there's so much work to uh, get clients to do your taxes, to do paperwork and invoicing and emailing and scheduling and branding and building your website all of these things are it's there's so much more to the job than just the editing portion so i think having an understanding of the business and how to charge so that you're charging for all of the things you do rather than just the little part that the person paying you sees yeah right you know so you know for me i i had a few businesses. I've, I've done multiple freelance businesses. Um, so I have a bit of an understanding of how to get one started, how to register with yeah. the state, you know, the um, DBA and all, all of that jazz. But, um, you know, as far as the specific two comics editing training, um, there are a couple of pretty good groups. Um, are you familiar with Gamal Hennessy's group? No. Good resource because he offers a lot of, um, it, it's it's good for people who are writing comics as well. It's uh, yeah. just general industry information, how-tos, interviews with uh, professionals, and it's, it's a pretty good resource for yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he changed the name of it. So I just, yeah, okay, I think it's yeah. uh, Comics Connection and I can send you uh, the link for that yeah, so that absolutely. you have it easily. Uh, yeah. But it's a Discord server and he does events and um, all kinds of stuff like that. So that's a, a good place to get started to yeah. um, get to know more about um, any kind of career in comics, really. Uh, there's yeah. you know, sections for uh, artists, for writers, for editors. Uh, to talk to each other and share resources. Um, yeah. And yeah, there's there's a lot a lot of definitely a lot of parallels. Um, like with with personal training, I always I used to deal with that where like there if you look at the hourly rate for trainers, the, it it can be a lot of money. And I've I can't tell you how many people and friends who like wanted to get into it or got into it because they saw that part, not realizing like 
it's there's marketing and there's getting the clients and there's there's all the free you know consultations you do with people that aren't going to do it and and it really is like running a business and, the taxes and subscriptions and, to softwares that yeah, you need to do exactly. that yeah i mean well yeah because i think when people look at the hourly rate they're thinking about it from a an employed position yeah, right where you have exactly. a boss who yeah. gives you the clients and tells you what work to do and where to be when and there's none of that so yeah. you know not only do you have to like charge a lot more than feels right sometimes you're like yeah. oh my god it's, this is only going to take me two hours and I'm charging a thousand bucks this is crazy yeah. it's like no <laughs> you know yeah. that, that that's all the that's all the visible work that you're yeah. doing this month you need you know you need to charge for that um and unfortunately you know a lot of these things are really not valued across the board it's not just editors I mean yeah. god the, the the stuff that the artists go through yeah I would not that you couldn't pay me enough ever to be a comic book artist. I mean, they, yeah. they, ha, they have so many health problems because of how hard they work yeah. and the deadlines and the impossible, you know, like it is so impossible to, to do it because there's so many of them too, that they're just disposable in the industry, yeah. unfortunately. And, you know, if you, if you get carpal tunnel, there yeah. you go. You're just not going to make money while you're healing from that, or you just work through it and make it worse. And then, yeah, yeah it's just, it's really, it's really awful. Yeah, I know it's true. And I think you see the work, the work is devalued so much at times that, yeah, it's like, you, you know, unfortunately it's like, you've got it, you know, they're, they're creatives. They're trying to make, you know, they're, they're trying to earn a living and, you know, it, it's, it sucks to see how, how, how rough they have it and, and, and how much the work sometimes is just not valued. You know, and like the another thing, you know, with the AI stuff coming in, yeah, you know, people are like, oh, well, I can just do this with software, and it's yeah. like, cool, you know, and I like for me, you know, I I'm obsessed with sci-fi, and I was like, yeah. okay, cool, so apocalypse is going to be like we're all slaves to the machines, <laughs> or the good the good end is where no one works and we have hoverboards, but actually, it's like worse because yeah. artists are the ones that don't have jobs now yeah like we still have to be cashiers for some reason but yeah. I, now, yeah, that, now you can't get paid for art because machines are making it what and that's, <laughs> and that's a whole different discussion so we won't get too much into it but one of the worst <laughs> things i've uh i've seen is when i see people refer to themselves as ai artists it like drives me bonkers like yes i get that they're creating prompts and stuff but like call yourself a prompt creator or whatever you're not an artist <laughs> and um and I, I like it bothers me to no end when I see people refer to themselves as such and like I think thankfully it's not at the point where you can really create a good cohesive comic but it's pretty scary you know where it might be down the road and yeah it's like just another another thing like kind of knocking artists out of the way well I mean and it's also it's also having a ripple effect you know because it, it's sort of at in, in the in the core of the the writing protests in Hollywood right now yeah um yeah. and that shouldn't affect me but it has I've lost yeah. two yeah. major clients because they are not making money oh, right now okay. yeah because they're writing for Hollywood they don't ha they don't have any income so they can't pay me yeah so thank goodness I have other ventures you know it's yeah. like and, and that's that's another thing you know like uh, don't expect editing to be your main thing yeah you know or your only thing, especially, you know, if you're, if you're choosing the freelance life, you are doing all kinds of things. I have like seven jobs. Yeah. Yep. No, that's, I think that's the thing with a freelancer is you really do have to be a hustler and, and, and know, and not have all your eggs 
in in one basket. So now I guess what uh, so what um, if you if somebody does under accept that okay I want to be an editor I understand the the lifestyle what steps should they take to get into it? Um, meet meet other editors yeah. learn as much as you can. Um, there's a there's a Facebook group I'll send you. Um, oh, if I can remember the name of it. Sorry, um, okay, it's run by Steve Cole. And oh yes, yeah, yes, I know that. Yeah, yep. I think that's how I found you. On, on, oh that, yeah, that, yeah, that you're right. Yep. Yeah, uh, the comic book editors alliance. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. So Steve's Steve's just wonderful, and yeah. he's so happy to uh, to help people. And there's a bunch of there's a bunch of really great people in that group yeah. who are really open to uh, mentoring uh, newbie editors. So, okay, great. Yeah. You know, if you if you can find some connections. Uh, you know, there, there's lots of people who are willing to donate their time yeah. uh, to, to help guide you, guide you in and show you, you know, books that will help and courses yeah. that you can take. Um, but yeah, I, I think a, a lot of it is networking and, uh, you know, really building a client base. Uh, that's going to be the biggest hurdle, you know, yeah. because you're not going to start making money right away. Yeah. And uh, you're going to have to start getting experience somehow um so that's 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 a tough one for a lot of people because you know they're like oh i'll offer my services for free (laughs) yeah the problem though with that is then you have people who will want to come back to you and not pay you exactly yeah so you know if you're if you're just getting started you know do try to have a basis for things you know you can access uh old scripts and look at them and try to you know figure out like okay what are the problems here um and do some practice on some scripts that have already been you know maybe maybe they're the the rough draft that then got edited and then turned into a real comic and you can like look at that edit it and then look at the final page and see ah you know, I changed it this way and it's actually the final is this way. And does mine work better? Does theirs work better? And, you know, kind of think about it that way so you can, yeah. you can learn, uh, learn about it that way. But yeah, I think if you're offering your services for free, unfortunately, that's, you know, just going to keep you working for free. Yeah. And it's kind of the paradox. It is like the paradox of any kind of freelance field, um, especially when there's not a, not necessarily a formal um process to to getting into it that yeah exactly like you kind of you've got to find a way in and but that is not devaluing yourself and that's not but also not kind of overextending or or over you know committing to to something you know that like you're not you know you're not trying to take a a a massive job that pays a lot of money because you probably are not ready for that and there's like some baby steps involved so i think it is a bit of a challenge but that that you'll find that with any any freelance type of work I think I think there's way more danger in uh, in undervaluing. You know, if if there's a job that's high paying, they're gonna know that you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's for, yeah, uh, yeah. so so you're you're pretty safe from uh, from that. But what will overextend you is if you lowball, yeah. and then you have a whole bunch of work that isn't paying for your food. Yeah, you know that makes sense. Because uh, if you're if you're not making enough money to eat, you're not gonna have the brain energy to do all the work that you have to do. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's fair. 
So, okay, so a couple, couple more questions. I'm um, ask everybody. So we're, we're kind of putting together a, like a library of the show. So every time I interview somebody, um, I want, I ask for, for one or two of your favorite books. Like if you were going to add, okay, this is the library, you know, we're adding to the show. What are two of, what are the two books that we need to, to put, you know, include on our, uh, our library here? Okay. And are these only comic books? I'll tell you what, um, you can give me two comic books and, and one, um, if you want to do a novel too, that's fine too. I'll take that. Okay. Uh, I have a page on my website that okay. is all of my favorite books. Okay, nice. Um, so, okay. Uh, mm, I mean, I am a diehard Garth Ennis fan. Yeah. So if if Garth Ennis isn't already up there. Not um, yet. Uh, nobody's added him to, 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 to no no what to be fair, only, only had a few interviews <laughs> for okay. uh, as part of the series, but but um but yeah, no, we have not had Garth Ennis added yet. But uh but yeah, so, so what would uh, what would your choice be? Oh god, uh okay. Um that's really hard because everything is so good. Um I was like, oh surely there's preacher on there, so I can't say preacher, but like what? Okay, so Preacher obviously is, you know, it's my it's my favorite. It's really good. I also really love Chronicles of Wormwood. Um, the boys. Ah, the Crossed is crazy. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, okay, just Garth Ennis in general. Just put okay. him down as a must-read <laughs> author. Um, okay, got it. Let's see. Um, Okay, so for for art, my favorite artist is David Mack. Okay, and I think you really can't beat the beauty of Kabuki. Okay, um, he he did a, a couple of really beautiful runs on Daredevil as well. I mean, God, just David Mack is the, his process is so cool. He he does half digital, half uh, real world. He'll like okay. do stuff digitally, print it out, paint over it scan it put it back in the computer and go back and forth like that and it's just yeah. this beautiful like collagey watercolory just oh it's like food yeah. <laughs> okay. all right good so we get we'll, we'll add those neither of those um those uh have been have been added to our list yet so <laughs> great Perfect. and then what um, would you say for uh who's best favorite writer so if we're talking for um we're not writer but, but maybe but if there is, is there, what stands out to you what's your favorite Okay, favorite favorite comic writer is Garth Ennis. Um, favorite writers, uh, okay, I'm just gonna Douglas Adams, Terry Pratchett, Jason Pargin, mm -hmm. um, Neil Gaiman, uh, Oscar Wilde. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Uh, Haruki Murakami. All right, so you've added definitely more to our list than any anybody. So that's that's great. I just this is awesome. I, I love yeah. I, I'm constantly I'm constantly reading. Like even when I'm not editing, yeah. I have audiobook playing. So, yeah, so all actually, the time. That, that and that's another you know in, uh, another question. So do you find it hard to consume stuff as your you know as as a creative, or if you or do you just you carve out the time to do it, and that's that's that. Like, I don't even it... carve out the time. I'm literally always doing like I okay. my my sport is walking. <laughs> and I'll, you know, if it's, if something is like an hour away or less, I'm walking there. Yeah. Um, and otherwise I'm taking, I'm just like, if I'm, if I'm in transit, I'm listening to an audiobook. If yeah. I'm puttering around the house, I'm listening to an audio. I'm constantly listening yeah. to audiobooks and I listen to them at double speed and okay. I oh, wow. consume, consume, consume yeah. audiobooks. 
I have it's, I have a, a a library app, so it's yeah. free, and I just. So that's my. It's funny. I like I listen to podcasts at one point five speed. I I have audiobooks and I think it's like 1.3. I think anything more than that and it's a little hard for me to get to get Really? To get I can't yeah. stand how slowly they Yeah. Speaking of, so actually quick question on audiobooks. Do you have a favorite um narrator for audiobooks? I love Neil Gaiman reads his own yes. stuff and it's fantastic. It's great. Yeah. I can't stand how slowly he reads. He okay. I wish it could go faster than double yeah. speed. Okay. But I think he he does a really good performance of his own work and it is really nice to listen to. Um, but yeah, I think I, like, I don't, I, I could never at, at single speed. I just yeah. could never. <laughs> yeah, I um, wish I could, I could get into do, doing it at, 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 uh, at more than that. It's so, it's so hard. Well, um, well, well Alice, it's been great, great having you on the show. So can, where can people find you? Um, uh, website, so email? I, my, Work, yeah. yeah, my my website is theimpofediting.com. Okay, great. Um, and that's pretty straightforward. Um, I'm also I am working on a podcast or two. Okay, yeah. And what are what are those? And we'll definitely include links as well to to those in the notes. They, so I haven't released any episodes yet. They're okay. still being edited. But um, one of them is called "Pay Me to Stop." Okay. And it's just a talk show and it's about everything and anything and whatever. Okay. Um, the other one is you're going to write that. And it's me and my best friend uh, making up really stupid stories um, just oh, to wow. entertain each other. And it's sort of like, a, we're just like going through a brainstorming process. Like throughout the week, we send each yeah. other memes and those are the kernels for ideas. Okay. We just like look at the memes and we're like, oh, this gives me an idea for this kind of story. And then we yeah. launch into it and they become really stupid really fast. Yeah. And then at the end, we're like, so you're going to write that? And it's usually no for me because I'm too busy. But, um, you know, we also invite the, the listener to maybe riff on our crazy, stupid ideas. Oh, that's amazing. Is, so is that one out currently? Uh, no, no, but uh, obviously I'm really excited about it. Yeah, <laughs> but we've, that, been, no, I... we've been like, making that the episodes uh we just started that a couple weeks ago so we're oh, that sounds we're about... amazing that that's something that sounds i would listen to so definitely when it's out uh just let me know because i you know i'd love to hear something like that that sounds really that like that sounds really cool and i yeah, think it's it helps with to me as like as somebody who is trying to be you know creative i think that's a really cool way to help with the creative process um, mm. yeah definitely i mean we, we talk sometimes about like where to source ideas um and things like that because i do a bit of creative coaching as well for people yeah. who you know they're like i have a story i just don't know what to do you know and they, yeah. they you know need a little bit of help um and i work with a lot of neurodivergent authors and okay. so you know we sometimes strategies are in order to yeah. <laughs> to make it work um so yeah um, awesome well great well thank thank you so much for being on the show yeah thanks so much for having me i had a great time yeah, me too thank you thanks for listening if you haven't already please like and subscribe to the channel and while you're at it leave a review we can be found on all social media platforms at portable underscore whole we can be found on all podcast platforms at portable whole publishing we can be found on the web at portablewholepublishing.com, and you can email us at portablewholepub at gmail.com. 